Everyone wants to be a leader until they actually have to lead. Leadership isn't about the money, a name, or a step up the ladder. Leadership is all about people, and people are messy. It's time to stop talking about the glamour of leadership and start talking about the hard stuff. This is Leadership Sucks. No, I think that'll actually be pretty quick. And once I throw it all in, it'll be good. So, all right, Ombra. How cool, you doing man. today? I'm good. What, what is I'm going good. on? Yeah, good. We good were day today? I, great day. Um, I was off work for, for MLK day. So just hung out with the kids. The kids are out of school. So it was a good day at home. Got a haircut. That's nice. Yeah, I worked. It was... It, it was a nice little when Monday feels like a Saturday. Look at us. Who would have thought? Yep. You're off and I'm working. Yeah. Shoot. Uh, yeah, dude. Crazy. But uh, I actually did more work today on MLK Day than I have done probably in 10 years on Martin Luther King Day. So at one point I had a text message that read, I think MLK had a dream even on the third Monday of every January. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think he had a dream that like we could still do stuff because I was having a tough time getting people to answer and respond. That's all right. I'm I'm good with uh, I'm good with the taking a break on on MLK Day. I just think that uh, you know we we could do a better job of of highlighting the reason why we we take the day off, right? I mean, shoot. You know, I mean, kind of like with any of these Monday holidays, I feel like a lot of times the the meaning is lost on it. You know, I mean, Memorial Day, Labor Day, people get it. I think they get it. But really, it's just an extra day. It's just another day. I think there are a lot of people that get it, but I think they lose sight of why why we do it. What, what does MLK Day mean to you? Hmm. I'm going to defer. I, I want to hear. I feel like you might have an answer loaded. I don't. I, I'll tell you this, though. I mean, I. I. I think what it, it means to me, it was the start of what we should have been all along. Mm-hmm. I mean, hundreds of years of you know call it mis mistreatment of uh based on race and i think martin luther king was somebody who actually stood up for for hey, saying hey this is not right you know yeah. and i think yeah. that's i think that's worth celebrating but i still think that even though gosh that was in the 60s i think even though that mm-hmm. you know he stood up in the sixties and, and started a movement. There are some times, and and I'm not just brainwashed by mainstream media. I think there are legitimately times when his dream is still a dream and not a reality. And that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. But I would say, I think, you know, you sum, sum the holiday up in one word, say, I, I, I bet I would venture to guess and maybe I'm wrong. A lot of people would say progress, but 
to me, I think, yeah, there's, there's been progress and stuff, but it's maybe more hope. It's a, it's a, a, a holiday of, of, uh, hope that, you know, something, something that's bad can still be bad, but also getting better at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, I think and, it's easy to overlook the progress that we've had. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, it's important to, to stand on that. Right. But it's important to also understand that, that the problem isn't solved, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely worth, I mean, that, that alone is worth remembering. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know that we'll ever not celebrate Martin Luther King and what he did. Uh, but man, it would be really great to get to a spot where you didn't feel like you were celebrating it to remember what he did because what he did is just commonplace in yeah. society. Yeah. Maybe someday. You never know. Uh, is it going to snow up there in Wild Oming? It sounds like it, man. But, you know, they, they had snow in, in the forecast the last couple of days and so far no snow. So they they're forecasting snow tomorrow less than an inch. So we can expect anything from less than an inch to twelve inches. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh out of nowhere they bumped ours from like a skiff of snow to six to twelve inches. Yeah, I saw winter storm when the storm running. That's not yeah. supposed to start until evening though, right? Yeah, tomorrow night. Yeah, that's right. So are you flying through Denver? You're taking a trip tomorrow yeah yeah i'm taking off i'm flying out of casper at 7 30 should nice. should be, should be in dallas uh, unless anything gets delayed which right now who knows but should be in dallas by noon if everything goes according to plan so hopefully it'll be beat the storm nice uh, yep yeah so should be a good one good uh hey i wanted to talk about this really quick i i'm reading a new book have you heard about this negative tell me about it well so funny thing but uh, i actually bought it on pre-order like in november and um i just came across it it was kind of about the time they announced they were going to come out with the netflix series not when they actually came out with it when they announced it and for our listeners the book is called oh sorry yeah because I just showed it on the screen and and this is not a video podcast. Uh, I'm reading Spare by Prince Harry uh, of England. So anyway, when they announced that they were coming out with their Netflix thing, uh, I had saw it on Amazon, so I pre-ordered it and then totally forgot about it. And all of a sudden here last, I think it was just last week, a box showed up and I think we were looking at each other like, what did you order? Were you know one of the rare days you weren't expecting something from Amazon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there it was, Prince Harry. And, so, and, so you uh, do you dig into it or what? Yeah, so I've started reading it. I'm, I'm I'm not deep into it. I'm maybe 30, 40 pages into it. It's it's actually very interesting. He's very, um, it seems very vulnerable in what he's describing like he's he's going into a pretty intense detail the day his mother died and just like what that was like for him and where he was at and what they were doing and like just walks through even his father waking him up in the middle of the night 
to tell him that, you know, Princess Diana had, had gotten in an accident and didn't make it. And so, uh, um, very, very interesting. I'm, I'm pretty interested, but the whole concept of spare, um, so the firstborn is always the heir, but it's a big deal in that Royal culture, uh, to have a second boy to be the spare. Um, so that's that's literally what they call him. And and actually, he has a very healthy outlook. He's like, hey, I've always been the spare and being the spare is not all bad. But like, that's that's what I am. That's my duty to my country is I am the spare. I'm not the heir. And I'll probably never be king because, you know, now William has a son or has a couple of sons, actually, I believe. So, yeah, I had no idea that's how it worked. But now I know my place. I am the spare. You're the spare. That's the why spare. mom and dad yeah. stopped with me. Yeah, they had the me heir and the spare. Prince Harry. Yeah. The spare. You guys are kindred spirits. Definitely. So. Huh. Well. Anyway, shoot. very I, uh, good book. I'm intrigued. I'll I'll add it to my list, man. Yeah, you should. I think you'd actually really like it. It's it's um. It's been good so far. Maybe a little slow at times. He gets very into detail, which is fine. I would probably prefer the story to move a little bit faster, but I appreciate, I don't know if he's just like building credibility with his audience. Like, Hey, I'm actually going to share some details here or what, but like, you know, he gets very in depth with some of the details, but it's been good. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be very interesting. Yeah. Right now, before we, before we move forward, I got another one for you. Have you read Tiger and Phil by Bob Herrick? Uh, no, I've seen that one, but I've you should, gra- you should grab it. I'm I'm into it right now, and it's only I'm I'm only eighty pages in, but it has been a fantastic read. Just highlighting their you know their careers and and the the way that rivalry was formed, kind of what shaped it. There, there's a lot of history there dating back to their youth that i just didn't realize but it's pretty oh really yeah oh interesting yep well they i mean they they both grew up they both grew up in california right um but phil was was older enough that that tiger was almost no but but phil kind of set a standard that tiger targeted like that that's what he he was like man i'm gonna win that many tournaments right like Phil set this standard and then Tiger came and, and met it. You know, he was always kind of, he was behind Phil in years, but he was always doing and at times doing more than what Phil did, but pretty interesting. That's awesome. I you know, like I, those want, ones. I, w- I wonder just going back to the book you're reading there with Prince Harry, I bet mm. he has some stuff to say about leadership sucking. Yeah. Yeah. He's and and leading from a very interesting position, right? Because he still is very much a leader. He's a prince. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't change. But uh the fact that, you know, he really he's not the heir, he's not going to be king. So your your influence does have a, a very distinct limit. Man, I bet he's got a lot of stories. I'll be interested to see if any of those come out. Yeah, but they will. I mean, the whole point of the book is to kind of share 
why he and Megan left the UK and the, and why he left the royal family. So pretty pretty crazy. Very. So, what else anyway. is going on? Let's Dude. let's let's dive into some leadership stuff. Okay. What do you got? Yeah. For me so tonight? tonight, this is what. Well, I've got a good one because this is pretty fresh. So uh, I was texting with you a little bit earlier, but um, last year, and I'm walking into this thing fresh because I'm I'm new to the organization. But last year, we had a mistake in our payroll system, and we ended up uh, having a what should have been a deduction was an addition, and ended up paying a guy uh, um, the equivalent of like health insurance premiums. So. What that ended up being for the company was a double whammy because instead of deducting that from his wages and using that to support the premium, it was adding to his wages and we were still paying the same premium. So it was a it was a double impact, excuse hmm. me, to uh, to the bottom line of the company or to, to the wages impact anyway. And also very tough to find because our premium didn't show up as being sh- short because you still pay the same premium. Right. And, and so the, then, you know, it would have, we would have had to like dig deep into every single person's wages to, you know, to basically we we would need an audit of every single person's wages to actually find it and find where there was a plus sign instead of a negative sign. So anyway, that happened last year and went on for six months and we finally found it. And uh, so I got the the pleasure of talking to him today and explaining to him that we had overpaid him uh, last year and that essentially giving him an advance on wages. And so we were going to we had set up and this was a ton of internal conversation, but we essentially decided to garnish his wage um, and recover the the overpaid cost. And. And at the same time, we were going to eat, and we've decided that we'll eat the overpaid. Like we basically paid for their health insurance for six months, um, and we're not going to recoup that cost. So we're just going to recoup the essentially what what went to his pocket. So uh, that was a tough position to be in, and tough conversation to have. What made it even tougher is is that this guy, as many of our field crew are, he's not English speaking. That's not his native language. Mm. And so actually his wife was there and uh, not sure if you knew this, but today's Martin Luther King Day and there was not school. So his three kids were sitting there in the conference room also. So I got to have that conversation with, yeah, with not just him who didn't really understand what I was saying, but also his wife and his three kids. And uh, so, man, that was humbling. So let me ask you a question. You, you at, being president of the company, I'm, I'm sure you probably had some say in, into how this was handled. That being said, though, I, I imagine this conversation probably started before you arrived, or was this just discovered immediately? Nope. No, we, we actually discovered it the day that I started. So let me ask you this. Were you guys able to come to a resolution that you agreed with and felt good about, even though it might have kind of sucked for him? Or was it one of those things where where you were more of the messenger and, hey, this is an, this is kind of a stinky situation, but don't shoot the messenger. Do you know what I'm saying? I've been 
been in that situation. This actually, this actually, I was on board with, and we tossed around several different ideas and ways that we could recoup the costs, um, recoup those wages uh, back, and and try to do it in the most humane way possible. I mean, that's this is the the hard part. I think, you know, as a uh, as a small business, a medium sized business technically by definition, but as a small business, like we can't afford to just not recoup that and i think a lot of people are like just it to them like it's just you know it's your but, mistake uh, yeah it and it and it is it is our mistake but you yeah. still received money that you didn't earn and that's you know that's not for sure either of ours fault but it's it's the reality so no i actually 100 percent on board with the resolution we came to so the reason why and i asked we that did question was, oh, go ahead sorry no, no, and what we did was we were basically just amortizing it over a year. We're gonna split it into equal payments, no interest. We're just gonna recover the 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 bare wages that that we paid him. Um, it still allows him opportunity to advance in the company, which I think is a big deal. Mm-hmm. So if you want to work your butt off and perform and become one of our, you know, if you want to step up in the the organization, not, this doesn't preclude you from getting a raise and advancing in our company and um, softening the blow that this, you know, that this is definitely going to have. So, you know, it's kind of one of those deals where it can light a fire under you or, or you can be pissed off and sulk about it. I guess it's your choice. Yep, for sure. You know, the reason why I asked the question that I did is because I feel like in, in leadership, a lot of times people are tasked, leaders are tasked with having conversations and and they have to relay information and decisions that that it it sucks and it wasn't necessarily their decision, but they have to find a way to to make this yeah, work. I, you know, a, yeah, a make or a you. make or break conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we're, we're talking about a, a, a truly a make or break conversation where the, this person, depending on how this message is received, they may stay or go. And it makes yeah. it it makes an enormous difference the the amount of buy in a leader has in the decision and and i think the important thing and and what i try to keep in mind in, in considering this stuff is if say if i am going to ask a supervisor that that reports to me to relay some potential bad news or off putting news we are going to continually have a conversation until i feel like we are all on the same page and we all have buy-in because if you, if you send them in to have a conversation and, and, and issue bad news, but they're not prepared to say, uh, well, what, what that's going to lead to is, Hey, this wasn't my decision. Don't shoot the messenger. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And, and that, that is, that makes leadership difficult at all levels. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Uh, I've been in that situation many times and it, it just it makes it way harder on, on you as a leader. I think that's something I've seen more in bigger companies where it's that top down, like, no, this is the message that you get to go deliver. Hmm. And I wish that more companies would be like, Hey, what, what do you think we should do in this situation and guide it? Right. It doesn't mean that you just let them run ramshot. I mean, that, that's dumb. You you can't just let even managers just do whatever the crap they want. But you can let them develop whatever idea 
that should be done there. And typically, not every time, but I've always said uh, people are capable of infinitely more than you think. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that we don't exercise that enough, especially in these situations. It's like they're capable of coming up with a solution that's just as good as anything you're going to just force down their throat. Yeah. They probably will have a, a better outcome with the team member. Yeah, no, I, that, that's a, a great point, Joel. One one yeah. thing that just in, in thinking about conversations like this, I think one one of the toughest parts about being a leader almost at any level of the organization, whether you're leading leaders or you're leading hourly employees or you're the president or CEO of a company, you in in many ways stand between your people and your company and, and you have to maintain a certain amount of loyalty to both. And yeah, it you are tasked with finding a win-win. Your your company and your people both need to win because if if you are not doing the right thing for your company, there isn't going to be much of a company to work for for too much longer, right? Yeah. If you're not doing the right thing yeah. for your people, there isn't going to be people to produce the goods that your company needs to to stay afloat, right? So, um leadership there's that dichotomy there right and and understanding that you have to you have to find a win-win even when you feel like that's impossible yeah i used to look at leaders ahead of me in organization and be like man they just they lost their balls like they lost their (laughs) their fight right and i think a lot of that comes across because they get tired of it takes a lot of effort it takes a lot of energy to find common ground, to find a, a win-win for both the company and for your employees. Because here's the deal. You have to care as much about your employees as you do about the company. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so and, to find a win-win for both, you have to understand what your your employees actually need and want. And so a lot of times what I would see these these more established leaders or more senior leaders, and they would just lose all of their fight. Uh, I think a lot of it was just they they just were tired of trying to get to know their employees or know what their employees wanted and know what the company needed and to walk that middle line and actually lead. And this is these are exactly the reasons why, you know, I've said for so long, like the leadership sucks because it's it's not easy. It takes energy and and like day after day, you got to get up and you got to find win wins for your people and for the company. Yes. Yes, and and you are exactly right, man. It takes a ton of energy if you're doing it the right way. Very, yeah. very rarely are those conversations and those decisions made easily unless it's lopsided one way or the other, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, there, therein lies the challenge. And I think the, the word that keeps just kind of popping up in my head with all of this, man, is empathy. I think mm-hmm. that's that's the key, you know, you talk about, understanding people and, and understanding your people and, and who they are and what they need, you know, that that's empathy and that, you know, being able to see their perspective and consider that as well as, you know, see, see both sides of it, right. Yours, your perspective, the company, the, uh, the employee side without that ability, I'm just not certain that you could be a good leader, not long-term anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I think people, I mean, people see through inauthentic, inauthentic 
uh, leaders very quickly. And so, and I think that's what that plays into is if you're not authentically for them, you know, if they feel like you're only there for the company, they're not going to follow you and you've lost your influence. And so you're not a leader, even if you're in a position of leadership, if you don't have influence with the people you're, you're over and managing, you're, you're just a manager. All you're doing yeah. is assigning work. You're not actually leading anybody. And so, yeah, it does. It just, it takes a lot of, a lot of energy there and, and, um, yeah, you have to be authentic about it for sure. So, uh, yeah, I, I actually, I, I just went back through, I, every now and then, like if I have a thought or some sort of a, a gem, I'll put it in my notes on my phone and I was going back through, cause I thought I had wrote something down about MC a while back and what I wrote down, it, it applies. It's actually, um, It'd be worth sharing here. So I said, while empathy is important, it's paramount that leaders find a middle ground between empathy and direct, honest communication. Indirect communication will lead to confusion, frustration, and eventually to larger concerns. Conversely, using direct communication without empathy is a doomed venture from the start. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's everything in life. You live it with intention. Yeah. I mean, you've got, you can't yeah. just have it, – it can't be extreme. If you're just all empathy, then, like, you, I mean – that doesn't have that doesn't get any results either. But you can't you can't do things all for just the results. So, well, and yeah. you know you talk about leaders losing their stones. You know, it goes there. It goes two directions because mm-hmm. a leader that that stands up and uh, or, or that won't stand up and and uh, stand. Well, actually, here let me say it this way. Some sometimes leaders they're just too empathetic and they're too and they just won't take a stand. Right. It's like, man, what what are you doing here, right? And then there's other other leaders who, um, they they will stand up strong for the company and push the the what they're hearing, but they're not going to do the right thing for the people, right? Uh, yeah, you know that I think that that, I mean, it goes both ways, right? Yeah, yeah. So you circle back to the situation I was in today, and and uh, here's here's something else that I think is really tough for leaders is, you know, I walk out of that room and I've got no idea if they're buying it or if they're out, you know what I mean? Um, I mean, he could leave now and we would be essentially be out the entire thing. We, we have some mechanisms where we, it would still be painful for them um, because we have to, we have to qualify it as wages they've received in advance on wages that they've received. Mm-hmm. So it, it wouldn't be great, but they could leave, they could get another job and it'd be fine. But what I tried to stress to them was like, hey, we want you to stay here and to work with us at, you know, at our company. And and we don't we don't want you to just leave. Right. So I I tried to share with them, be vulnerable with them. Right. But as I walk out of there, I've got no idea if they believe it or not. A lot of times with people, they don't believe you're authentic on the first like first impressions aren't authentic typically. It's it's typically what I what I talk about is like staying power. It's like, hey, when I laid you off, I, this happened to me. We had to go through, gosh, I went through several rounds of layoffs. And uh, one time we had to lay people off, you know, COVID time on the phone, right? You want to talk about just a unempathetic, unauthentic, mm-hmm. inauthentic way of leading people. It's like, geez. And uh, and I had to realize like, hey, that was just an impression. And that my authenticity, my authenticity, and my credibility with them would be in the days and, and the weeks that followed. 
right? Mm-hmm. When I when I was following up with them, when I was making sure they were taken care of, when I was making sure their questions were answered on benefits and coverage and, you know, and whatever severance plan and et cetera, et cetera. You've got to, you know, that's that's another piece of that is like you got to believe or, or realize they might not believe what you're saying in the moment. And then you've got to you got to work to make sure they know that you meant it um, in the fall. I like that. I like. I really like what you said there about authentic authenticity and first impressions. They aren't authentic, you know, because you don't know. I mean, what what somebody's saying really could just be lip service and you just would never know it, you know, and that's something I think that's important to to keep in mind both both ways you're you approach a a meeting right knowing that if you're meeting somebody for the first time that you know there there's there's going to be that that bias there right and if they're meeting you for the first time the same right and it that that'll be interesting to approach those interactions that way knowing that that follow-up and consistency is going to be the key if a relationship you know if that's what you want to result yeah yeah so, yeah, so I mean, I think, you know, I think, yeah, let's let's recap here a little bit. So uh, I think leadership can suck in a variety of ways. But one one of the ways that a lot of people fall out of good leadership is uh, in their inability to have a, a crucial, direct, honest conversation in an empathetic way um, that that doesn't leave room for any confusion or doubt. And uh, and then I think it also just it's worth noting it takes energy to make sure that you're as a leader of a company that you're supporting and, and doing what's best for the company and supporting and doing what's best for your people uh, at all times. So what else would you add on that as far as what we've talked about tonight? Those are the high points that stick out to me, man. I I think you nailed them and there's no sense in me just repeating what you just said. Right on. Leadership, man. It's just a, it's a ride. It's a grind. But yet we continue on. Yeah. I mean, here's another, okay. We like, we, you and I like football. I think we discussed this last week, but there was another great leadership moment in football this week. Okay. Mm -hmm. Doug Peterson and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay. Trevor Lawrence, Mm -hmm. who's, you know, arguably a franchise QB, whether you like that or not, outside of the question four interceptions and a fumble in the first half bad bad did bad. not look good did not look good was forcing throws i mean he was thrown into windows i've that no quarterback is gonna be able to throw into and make a make a completion anyway Asante Samuel has had like four interceptions in his career and he had three of them. He had three interceptions that night. Did you see that? Yeah, stat? no. Yeah, and and they were not necessarily a result of Asante Samuel's athleticism. No. No, it as was much, just forcing yeah, forcing throws. Yeah. So most most quarterbacks in the NFL would ride the pine the second half, especially in a playoff game. You're not going back to that well. You're you're like, hey, I got to try something different. And I'm like, Doug Peterson, man, I, he's I don't know what he said in that locker room, but that team came out and I mean, they played completely different. They made great adjustments on defense. They shut down Austin Eckler, which was awesome. And then 
you know, I don't again, Trevor Lawrence, he was he was a completely different quarterback. What did you see? I think that's awesome leadership, but but you so want to talk this about is, that? That sucks. Dude, yeah. Well, how do you the all right, this is the way I see it, and I don't know Doug Peterson as leader. I haven't lo- I haven't looked into him much, read on him much. I've just watched him coach football games. I've been impressed by a little bit what he does, but I've never seen him do anything like what he did on Saturday night. That being said, I think it's important to consider, Joel, that I don't know if it was as much that he said the right thing. It's that it's the work that he's done building trust and relationships with his players up to that point. Right. I feel like just by watching what happened in his reaction, he may not have said anything in the locker room. But I don't I don't know. Right. And but the guys just, you know, his guys just knew the way that they came together and and picked each other up and rallied around each other was not something that a raw raw speech will produce. Prove that's fair. No, that's that's fair. And I mean, it, well, and sometimes it does, but it doesn't mean it always has to. Right. I think that's worth noting. It's like sometimes there are great speeches that really motivate teams and they come out and perform completely different. But but you're right. Doug Peterson has put in work all year. Did they just finally make a PAT? I think they did, dude. Did the Cowboys yeah. finally make one? Yeah. Wow. That's that's awesome. We might have I, to cut we, we might have to cut that out of the I'm not pod, cutting it but. out. I mean the Cowboys and the Buccaneers are playing the playoffs right now. We're both following it. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. missed four straight PATs. That that I mean talk about leadership sucks. But uh, so go but, go but back to what like, we were talking yeah, about. So, yeah, so so at the end of the day, you know, he might not have he put in work all year. He might not have done a speech, but I mean, he had those players. They knew what they needed to do to come out and win that second second half. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. I I really believe that. So I, I I just finished a book, but before Christmas by Bill Walsh. Well, it's actually not by Bill Walsh. It's a it was a, the score takes care of itself, and it's his his leadership philosophy, and it has a lot of his notes and uh, journaling in there in terms of his his leadership philosophy, and it's it's fantastic, but. The one thing about that and kind of where I'm coming from with with saying what I'm saying about Doug Peterson is he he kind of Bill Walsh kind of opened my eyes to the fact that leadership and and building a winning program is culture. It's more about culture than anything and and getting buy in. And that takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of energy and effort. And, you know, take the, the Jaguars of a year ago. I don't think there was any person on earth could come in and give any speech that would have resurrected that team out of that mm. urban Meyer stupor they were in, you know, but then Doug Peterson comes in and, and obviously gets buy-in and his, his players are there. There's just a different swagger. They're winning games when they're not winning games. They're in them. They're losing with class. They're winning with class and, and, it leads to what we saw on Saturday night. Yeah. And nothing about that is, uh, is fun. That's a lot of no. hard work. And that's, I think this is part of why I feel so strongly about this whole idea of this podcast is like people will look at Doug Peterson and they're going to, I think it's very easy to romanticize that role and what he's done as a head coach. And I'm, I'm just telling you, 
what he has done. He's not going to look at anybody and be like, yeah, some of these guys wouldn't wor- wish this work on their worst enemy. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's like, I don't. I don't I doubt he's saying like, oh, I'm having the time of my life. I'm sure he's enjoying it. I mean, they're winning games. That's cool. But, but I mean, I bet he's also sitting there going like, this is a lot of hard work and, and uh, it's, it's not easy. And I bet his glamour. family, I bet his family is, is paying a little bit of a price. I mean, there's, there is a lot of price to pay to, to truly lead that way like to turn a culture around to put the energy right because a a human being only has so much bandwidth some more than others but even even the most prolific leaders have sacrificed relationships and many other things to accomplish what they've accomplished but that that doesn't necessarily get talked about you know no there's always a sacrifice always Mm mm-hmm for sure. Yeah. No, that's good. All right, man. Well, I love I that we I love that we find a way to bring sports into this and we always will. Yeah, it's going to be hard not to. It's going to be hard not to. A lot of leadership in sports. Yeah, there is. A lot of un, unseen, underappreciated leadership in sports, I would Word. say. Word. All right, my man. Uh okay. I think that's a wrap. Have a good trip to the motherland. Yeah. Yep. Have a good week, man. Uh, We'll be thinking about you and praying for you and we'll talk soon. All right. Same, buddy. Praying for you. Have a great week. Love you. Love you, Joel. Bye.